Podcast with me, Phil, and me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're going to discuss the new penultimate episode of this series of Doctor Who, and that is, of course, Heaven Sent. But first, as usual, let's have some news. And unfortunately, we have to start with some sad news, actually, because the writer Anthony Reed has died at the age of eighty. Now, uh, for those who don't know who Anthony Reed is, well, not only does he sort of contribute to Doctor Who, he seems to contribute to quite a few sort of cult sort of television series, really, didn't he? Yeah. Looking at this. BBC. No, no. Um, well, I mean, obviously, he, he wrote um, for Doctor Who um, sort of during the sort of the Graham Williams era. He took over from Robert Holmes um, as the script editor and actually worked alongside Robert Holmes during the image of Fendal and the Sunmakers. Um, before sort of um, officially taking charge with things like Underworld, which I must have only watched once since I bought the DVD, to be honest. He's not sort of fondly remembered, unfortunately. But he co-wrote The Evasion of Time with with Graham Williams and also uh, devised the Key to Time season as well, which which is quite enjoyable, actually. Yes. There's some very enjoyable stories in there. Um, But also sort of handed over to uh, Douglas Adams, as well, yeah. um, as, as a script editor, before returning to write uh, for the Horns of Naimon, uh, for argument's sake. Which, again, isn't that, that fondly remembered. Um, but I think just because I think the production had got so cheap by that point, didn't it? Really, they yeah. really were sort of reining in the money somewhat. Um, but alongside other things, he was the script editor for the Peter Cushing um, TV series of Sherlock Holmes in the 60s, which I never knew. I didn't know that. No. I didn't know that. Um, he also wrote scripts for The Omega Factor, which also uh, starred Louise Jameson. As well, he wrote for The Professionals, which I think he was quite... Um, I think he contributed quite a few scripts to The Professionals, actually, didn't he? Um, I think he wrote the first one, which was the one with Keith Barron in it, where he's a biologist. Ah, yes, that one, yeah, one, with the bombs under the on the barrels, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, to release the... the... Spoilers there, Phil, come yes, on. Yes, I know, oh, come on. But it's only four years old now, isn't it? So, <laughs> um, but also wrote for Into the Labyrinth. Do you remember that one? Ron Moody and Pamela Salem. Oh, it does, Pamela yeah. Does yeah, yeah uh, Saffron Steel. Yeah, for yeah, the only people to write something other than um, the divisor of that, wasn't they? Yes, indeed. Indeed. Um, he also wrote... The, uh, this one passed me by, but I'm aware of it. Chocky. Um, that was all. He wrote all three series uh, for that actually, which was based on a book by John Wyndham, um, and they also wrote the Baker Street Boys, which I do remember vaguely yeah. watching. Vaguely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I mean, he, he, he sort of contributed to so much sort of British television, and which I never realised. No, actually, no, I, I knew, obviously knew him from the Doctor Who connection, but didn't realise. Not something I'd immediately put a. A face to on other stuff. No, no, me neither. Me neither. Um, but I mean, hey, what what a career! What a career! Yeah, blimey. So yes, I, I salute you, sir. I salute you. Anyway, um, let's move on to some um, other other news now. Uh, now, it's not exactly a release date for the UK or the or the United States or North America. We want to call it, but the German DVD distributor Polyband. 
Um, they've released a trailer for the complete Series 9 DVD and Blu-ray box set. And they've announced a release date before the UK. They've said that the um, the six-disc set contain all 12 episodes of Series 9, as well as the upcoming Christmas special, will be released on the 18th of March next year. Hmm. So whether that's any indication of where the release schedule is going to be for the UK and well, the rest of the world, really, don't know. Yeah, don't I don't know. know. But they, they haven't actually started showing Series 9 yet, have they, in Germany? No, so that's not due to start until, be... you know, until the 3rd of December, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, which is weird, actually. They've announced that before the actual sort of series is aired. Yeah. But it's also weird that the fact that they're going to be showing... They've announced when Fox in Germany's announced when they're going to be showing the Christmas special, haven't they? First person to confirm when they're showing it. Yes, indeed. Another another weird, weird thing. Which is the 28th of January. Again, not exactly Christmas, is it? <laughs> no, but I suppose that just fits in with... Is that 12 weeks from the... 13 weeks from the 3rd of December? Uh... I, it might, it be. might be, yeah, might be. So I suspect that's their time scale, rather. You obviously can't drop the Christmas special into the middle of Series Nine, can they? I suppose. Not, not suppose not. No. But, no, that's it's just it's just weird that that's sort of been announced before before the UK. But hey, it might give us some indication. Mm. It give yeah, some indication. I mean, well, it may be a case that that's what. So that's what three weeks after they show the Christmas special. Yeah. So it may well be that we follow the same sort of thing in three weeks into the new year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that 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 would work, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, well so as I say I think it's certainly I think the March is then gonna be the uh, the, the time to watch, I think, for the um for for the uh the complete box set to come out, which is unusual because I've I've always got the complete box sets for Christmas. Yeah. And I think this will probably be the first time in a long time where I haven't. Actually it always goes on my on my Sort of, you know, Christmas present list. You know, you want to get me anything? Get me the, you know, the complete series for Doctor Who for this year. Um, but uh, yeah, that that hasn't. It's not going to happen this year, unfortunately. So I've had to. But it does to, tend to suggest other things. That, if nothing else, it tends to suggest that the Christmas special will be part of the box set, doesn't it? Yeah, which um, it is, which it is. If not, if not telling us when the release date in the UK. Or- or anywhere else, at least telling us that. Yes, indeed. Now, talking of the Christmas special, um, we've missed sort of like a couple of um, sort of casting announcements um, for this uh, because not only is Alex Kinson returning, we've also got Greg Davis and Matt mm. Lucas as well, yes. um, which I think will probably tell you what the tone of this particular episode is going to be, doesn't it? So, Well, it is, it is the January 28th special, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Now, there's also been a, 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 a synopsis um, been released for this as well, and it says uh, it's Christmas Day on a remote human colony, and the Doctor is hiding from Christmas carols and comedy antlers. But when a crashed spaceship calls upon the Doctor for help, he finds himself recruited into River Song's squad and held into a fast and frantic chase across the galaxy. King Hydra Flax is furious, and his giant robot bodyguard is out of control and coming for them. Uh, coming for them all, sorry. Will Nardo survive, or Nardo? I don't know how it's pronounced at the moment. And when will River Song work out who the Doctor is? Okay, yeah, sounds... Um, well, that, I've, I think we've already been told it's going to be have a, a comedic bent to it. It's going to be more of a, a romp. Yeah. Um, which I think is what you need on Christmas Day, really, isn't it? 
It is. Yeah. I mean, no, but that's, yeah, that, that's, that's what it should be, really. Yeah. Yeah. I think after a couple of sort of serious, because we've had like Matt Smith regenerating into um, Peter Capaldi Christmas before last, and then last Christmas, it was quite a, a dark, another dark story for Capaldi, wasn't it? With the, the head yeah. crab things, you know, the, the, the dream thing. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, so I think it needs to lighten up a little bit. Certainly needs to lighten up. Yeah, so. it's just, just yeah, it's a bit of light and shade, isn't it? Really? Exactly, exactly. And this has been a reasonably dark series we're coming out of, so. Yes, it is. It certainly is. So, yeah, so I think we could do with, um, well, obviously we don't know what's going to happen in the last episode, but I, I dare so could all do with a bit of cheering up, so. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, now, the bit of the podcast that nobody likes, stats. Let's do it quickly. Um, the overnight viewing figures for Heaven Sent was 4.51 million viewers, uh, which meant it had a 20.7% share of the total TV audience, uh, which isn't bad, actually. 20% oh. share, that's that's pretty good, actually. Um, the AI, though, for Heaven Sent was 80, which I'm kind of surprised about. Well, I'll say that maybe I shouldn't be surprised because it was an unusual story, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was, it, yeah. You, you could imagine somebody just turning on, having not seen, not really watched any of the, the rest of this series even, is going to find that very odd. Yes, indeed. So maybe I sh- it shouldn't be unexpected, really, no. to be honest. Maybe it shouldn't be. Uh, right, however, the official ratings for, or I should say the official consolidated ratings for Face the Raven, uh, which I think is still excluding the iPlayer, stats is 6.5 million viewers which made it the 11th most watched program BBC television for that week and fourth overall for Saturday night and finished um, 30th in the overall chart yeah that's fair enough yeah exactly exactly um, not bad fourth for still, overall still for just Saturday. behind the antiques road show that's really weird isn't it it's amazing that's got a, that's got a bigger following <laughs> Doctor Who <laughs> I suspect it might be. Well, I don't know. Oh, yeah, fair enough. I don't know. It is a typical Sunday night program, though. It, it is indeed. It is indeed. It is indeed. Right. Okay. That's it for the news. That's it for stats. But after a, well, it's been a couple of weeks, really, hasn't it? Um, since mm. we we've been over to this this side of the room, it's time for Omega's Tat Corner. You pester me with trinkets. And we've got um, well. I like how I say it's one bit of tat, but it sort of leads into other, two other bits of tat and one other separate bit of tat. It'll, it'll make yeah. sense in a moment, won't it? It'll make sense in a moment. <laughs> mm, no, I'm not sure this ever makes sense. But Maybe not. Well, there you go. But um, now this, the first type of tat we've got was actually sent in, um, into us onto our Facebook group um, by uh, John Michael Lindsay. Thank you very much, John Michael. It's now, it's from a company called Abbey Shot, and according to them, it's where heroes shop. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, there you are. There you are. Um, now, what uh, John Michael sent into us was um, it's a Fifth Doctor's celery lapel pin or brooch, um, to give it um, a shorter title, actually. Um, now, this is available to pre order. It's shipping early December, which means it could be shipping by the time this podcast goes out. Mm. You just don't know. Now, it is eight inches high, which is. Quite big, actually. Big, yes. That is like a whole stick of celery, basically, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> a massive stick of celery. Um, it's officially licensed by BBC Worldwide. It is hypoallergenic, lead-free. I would hope so. Um, I can't remember the last time they made lead toys for, 
<laughs> the kids could suck yeah. on. Um, yeah. yeah, in the shape of food. Yes. <laughs> uh, Cadmium-free polythene and nylon. It comes in a gift box. That's the clincher. It comes in a gift box. It's one size only, unfortunately. And um, that is for the <laughs> handsome... That's in fits all, yes. Yes, indeed. That um, actually goes for the handsome price of $29.99. US dollars, that is, by the way, as well. Um, yeah, that is quite a lot of money for a brooch, basically. Yes, but it is quite a lot of brooch, you know. <laughs> it's eight inches. What it... <laughs> well, that's true. That is true. Um <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something about size then, but Paul, it's not, oh. it's, it's not important, Paul. <laughs> um, yes, Certainly now, not any stick of celery. No, it's not. Um, do you know what? I keep thinking of celery, celery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. It's not where it, it does. That doesn't help raise the tone. It doesn't, does it? <laughs> right, now the product description for this, it says, from detecting gases to becoming a, a, a fashion statement, celery sure has come a long way. Even the best-dressed Doctor Who fans know you need little celery, I mean civility, in your wardrobe. For the reserved and sensitive types, our fifth Doctor's celery pin is the perfect accessory. This officially licensed piece is a precise replica of the one worn by the fifth Doctor, and it's just what you need to properly and handsomely scour the time stream with your close team of companions. I'll never see that say that team of companions ever close. No. To be honest, no. No, um... Made from polythene and nylon, the Fifth Doctor's celery pin is lead-free, cadmium-free, and completely free from boredom. Paul, never has celery been so exciting. <laughs> you, just, you don't want your celery to be bored, do you? Exactly. It continues. Um, who says you can't be clever and cool like a stalk of celery? Go ahead and complete your boyish charm. Well, there's one thing I always wanted to complete my boyish charm, Paul, and that is a, that's a stick of fake celery. Um, like it, 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 it is what's been missing from boyish charm. <laughs> it is indeed. Uh, it says, uh, yeah, go ahead and complete your boyish charm like the dapper Edwardian Fifth Doctor from Gallifrey. Violence is not the answer, friends. Travel far, look civilised, and watch out for those Daleks. So hop, keep to your words and hop into the tides and come pick up your Fifth Doctor celery pin today. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wow. Um, now, as you said, this does link to some other um, sort of adornments that the Doctor might have had. Because we also have a fourth Doctor's painter lapel pin and a sixth, sixth Doctor's cat lapel pin. Both going for the same price, both going um, as a pre-order item at the moment. Um, how, how big is the cat one? Right. Well, the, um, the, fourth, wow, do- the, four, the fourth Doctor's one is also hypoallergenic, lead-free and cadmium-free uh, polyresin. Um, that is 2.6 by 3 inches in size. Again, right. officially yes. licensed by uh, BBC. Um, I can't be bothered to read out the product description. I think I, I think I said it all with the last one. Yeah. Um, the Sixth Doctor's cat lapel pin is 1.5 inches high. Right. Yes. Which is right size? I don't know, actually. Yeah, I, I thought I was just actually suddenly had this thought that it's 8 inches tall. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh dear! Well, you're, um, not, you're not getting any money's worth with that one, though, are you? If they're the same price, exactly. They're all going for twenty nine ninety nine and uh, US dollars. Yeah, you're not getting your money's worth there really at all, are You've you? You've got to go for the celery there, haven't you? <laughs> well, I, Paul, there is no there is no predicament there really, is there? It has to be the celery. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, so that's from Abbeyshot dot com, where the heroes shop. 
So remember that, folks. Remember that. Now, um, you discovered this next item of tat, didn't you? Yes, and I think I think we might have missed this earlier a bit. I think this came out at the beginning of the month or something. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Okay. Well, um, well, considering I don't actually have any relatives or friends in prison, um, I, I don't actually think <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be looking for this particular type of. <laughs> <laughs> this particular type of tap because this is a. Not... You're not going to spend another Christmas this is in Chokey. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a Doctor Who TARDIS soap on a rope and wash bag exclusive, basically. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, soap on a rope with TARDIS wrap. This I'm doing out the the description now. Actually, um, comes in a cute TARDIS bag. I don't yes. think you're really taking anything cute into the showers in prison, really, do you? <laughs> um, no, it, this is a, a Think Geek. Uh, is it an exclusive to Think Geek? I'm not entirely sure, actually. Uh, I'm not sure, actually, either that one on that one either. No, no. no. Uh, this is going now, actually. This is going now um, uh, for $14.99. Again, seems <laughs> a t- a, a, I don't know, is that a, a, a you know. Uh, I, I, a tad pricey. I haven't. I haven't been pricing up soap on a rope for a while. Well, neither have I actually. I don't think I've actually received a soap on a rope since I was a kid. I've always was bought you one for Christmas, and I thought, oh, cheers. It's, they're horrible bloody things. <laughs> it's always one in the shape of a football as well. <laughs> usually from um, oh, what was uh, it's usually Blue Stratos, or um, what was the what was the other one? There was another one. Um, Oh, uh, Insignia. That was the other one as well. Yeah, you should have the soap on a rope. That's what I was thinking of, Insignia. Yes. Um, but I just like the fact that the care instructions for the um, for the bag... Well, is to... <laughs> care instructions for the soap. Do not get wet. Do not get wet. It says for the, um, the, the, the care instructions for the bag is clean bag with a damp cloth only. Mm. So don't take it into the shower with you is what they're saying. Yeah, I was say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Seems to be a bit, yeah. Yeah, it says the, 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 the some... Yeah, I, I, actually, I can't bother to read it. Actually, just... <laughs> I, I, I think I think the fact people know what soap in a rope is, don't they? I think they do. Actually, yes, um, and it does actually say. I saw the words in capitals. Actually, sort of screaming out to you on the page is um, Gallifreyan physiology, which I don't think again you want to be discussing whilst you're in the prison showers. So, no. <laughs> yes, I think we'll leave that there, shall we? Mm. Yes, <laughs> or about the size. Oh no! Again, Sorry, you don't no. discuss that in a, in a, in a prison don't shower. Discuss that in the showers either. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll leave that for D block. I think. <laughs> yes, I think so. I think so. So yeah, we'll we'll leave that there. I'll leave that there. So anyway, um, that's it for Tat Corner. Um, so coming up next is our review of Heaven Sent. So uh, for another week, then that was the news. <laughs> Okay, everybody, it's time to review this week's episode of Doctor Who. And, of course, it is Heaven Sent. This whole place is designed to terrify me. I know you. I've seen you before. If you were any part of killing her, you're not afraid. And you understand nothing at all. I am the Doctor. I'm coming to find you. And I will never, ever stop. And it's your turn to kick off with scenes this time, isn't it, Paul? Yes, it is. Yes. What do you and think? And where am I going to start? Um, <laughs> probably with just the fact that just because it was so different. Yes. I think I really liked it. I'm not sure whether it 
in terms of it really being a good story or not, what it, it uh, is why I liked it, or just because it was just actually, yeah, I can get into this. This is different. Yeah, I I agree. It was totally different, wasn't it? It's not your usual Doctor Who, which sort of we sort of briefly alluded to when we were talking about the stats um, not not too mm. long ago, um, with especially with the the audience appreciation. Um, yeah, it's it's not your normal Doctor Who, but my God, was it good! Yeah, my God, was it good! It's just, it's just what you can do when you've got a good writer, good actor, good director. Yes, and and, and, and the, despite, I think they they could have at least lowered it in the mix, the music as well, because there was a lot of period where you needed something, perhaps. Otherwise, mm. it would have been a very much a question of, oh, look, there's footsteps on the ground again. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, do you know what? I I loved the use of music in this particular episode. Yeah, I really I, I, did I, I, love I, it. I just do feel they they get the the mix when there's actual uh, speech going on wrong still, mm. and it can the speech can get drowned out by the music. Yes, it can. You do. find yourself having to go back and think. Actually, what was said then? I might think I might have missed that bit. Well, when, it, when you've only got one person in a monologue, a monologue, and you can't hear it. Properly, <laughs> Yeah, it can be a problem. It can be a problem. Well, no, I just want to say because I think that the the the, the music. I think this this time though, it wasn't a complete uh, Murray Gold score, was it? Because I think was, there was Beethoven, so I understand, used in in this episode. But he, when it did become his own score, um, there were some interesting choices of instrument, like the accordion. Yeah, as well, which I mean, amazing. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, when something that you have got a lot of music in this because you have got a lot of yeah atmosphere to be introduced by music in this without the, without the action or the speech, um, and yeah, to keep it interesting in itself, the music was interesting in itself. I mean, I suspect you can listen back to the just the soundtrack of the music; mm. it'd be an interesting listening. I think it would be. I think people would have been asking for, can you just release the, the music for, for this episode? Never mind the series, just this episode. Um, because there was also certain bits, and particularly when the Doctor was examining Clara's painting, uh, it definitely sounded like the, the Radiophonic Workshop. It certainly like some, some sort of Paddy Kingsland score. Yeah. Uh, which I loved. Uh, why they chose to... to I, I don't think it's just a really, really experimental episode not just from the the point of view of it was solely the doctor you it was just him carrying the story um but also from the point they're they're experiment with the music as well well it's just a rare one where you haven't got to to fit in with action scenes no you haven't they're just really very little in terms of actual action and there was it was quite a a mournful type of story i suspect i suppose sort of composer you sort of associate with sort of mournful music is Beethoven really which yeah. is deep very deep and meaningful and you know and I think it just it just everything just clicked for me with this story I really do but anyway I mean I mean we've, we've sort of talked about the music but what about I mean there is only one actor in this Capaldi I know Jenna Collins it will come to that later but um what did you think of Capaldi yeah, I mean, it needs somebody like him. You've, you've got to have, if you've only got one person to focus on, then that person's got to basically take your attention, hasn't he? And it's got to be captivating in that sense. Yes. And, yeah, no, he does it. I mean, 
as we said about last week, the fact that in the, the actual scene where Clara's preparing to go out to face the Raven, yeah, he hardly says anything. No. And yet it's still a major two scene between the two of them. Yes. Yes, I mean, I, I, I just cannot... So, so have, having done it there, I mean, to do it on his own, he's, he's, not a, he's not difficult. He doesn't need words. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. It's just, oh dear, he's just such a superb actor. He really is. And I was sort of thinking, sort of, I know we sort of said things before, could you imagine any other doctor carrying off that particular scene? Or and we've, and we've, so one, or perhaps this doctor could and that doctor might be able to do it justice or that actor could do it. Uh, I honestly don't think any other who or doctor who actor could have done what Capaldi did. In this particular no. episode, I really don't. Maybe Paul McGann, his doctor, he, he he might have sort of fitted that particular type of story. To so the introspective and yeah, 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 yeah. Po- possibly. But um, but I'm just going to say no. Nobody could beat Capaldi with this. I mean, if if this guy doesn't win an award, because I think he's been unfair. I think he was unfairly overlooked last season. Possibly, don't know. But if he, if he gets overlooked this season. Yeah, you know no, he's he's got. There's about three different episodes where he could just be competing against himself, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, he just carried this superbly all the way through, and I don't think there's anything else I can I can really say about Capaldi. He was just utterly magnificent. And the this. other thing you've got to say, and, and you've, as much as sometimes we don't want to, but mm. whatever. Give Moffat credit for this. You're actually looking back on it and thinking, right, so you've got one actor who's basically giving monologues all the way through. Yeah. And you don't think actually there's anything in there that was just in there to feel, which is some achievement just in self-control, I'd have thought. It is, yes. Because you must yes, be tempted just to, just to feel the, the gap. To actually have to, to get an episode and you end up extending it when you've only got this happening. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't feel that it's being uh, padded out. No. It, I must admit, I mean... I mean how, much, how much of it is, is also... It gives you thinking time to try and work it out for yourself as well, which is good. You don't, you're not being... You're not, it's not actually you get to the end and you think, oh, of course, if I'd actually thought about it as it was going... If you've got enough time to think what is going on in this... Mm. It's not because oh, it just went, just blurred through. The action was so much that I didn't really. If I'm thinking about it now, of course, obviously that meant this and that meant that. No, you had enough time to think about it as it was going along, and you still probably weren't working it out the answer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I just think it was um, the running time. Really, I think this is probably the, the, the thing that sort of did it for me. The run, it's 55 minutes, and not once during that 55 minutes was I looking at my watch. No. I was completely captivated by this all the way through. And and the 55 minutes, obviously, it's 10 minutes longer than a normal episode, and it just flew by. It yeah. really did. That's how much I was into this story. And just the sort of like the sheer presence of Capaldi on screen, I was just totally engrossed in it. Totally and utterly engrossed. And there's not once that I sort of like think, oh, you know, sort of like, oh, you know, casual will be on in a minute. I, I just sort of. I just totally, as I said, totally engrossed. I just couldn't put another, can't put it any other way, really. I was absolutely 100% engrossed in this story. And 
I, yeah, I, I just can't. I just honestly can't sort of find words that can do this justice. For, for me, anyway, I really can't. Oh, and it, yeah, it was. What did you did you work out where it was going before you got to the? Do you know what? I I didn't to be honest. But when it it sort of all fell into place, you think no, that makes sense. It did to me yeah. anyway. It appears that a lot of people do have a big problem with this and didn't like this story at all. Um, and I think we'll we'll have the sort of some different opinions when we get to the when we get to our feedback section uh, towards the end. But um, I seriously didn't have a, have a have a problem with this at all. No, I mean my my thoughts were oh it all quite worked out fairly well. Which actually sometimes I think Moffat scripts do, and then you start afterwards picking. You well, can. You, when you watch them the first or second time, even you're thinking, "Yeah, no, that actually that all makes sense." And it's perhaps sometimes afterwards you can. I mean, there's a couple of things that sort of now start nagging me a little bit. Right. Okay. On this, I think what has been mentioned by other people, as well, is why does the the crystal not reset? Well, I I've got a, a theory. About, have you got your own theory as to why it doesn't yes. reset? Okay. What's your theory? My theory is basically because it. At the point where it thinks he's died, everything shuts down. Yeah. So everything else apart from that room is reset while he's still before the creature gets him. Mm. But once the creature gets him, everything shuts down. So that actually doesn't reset that room. Well, I, I, I've got a, a, a theory along those lines, basically. I, I think that that room was never supposed to reset. Yeah. Because I think... Whoever set the trap, and this, obviously there are still questions to be answered from this story, like who? We're assuming it's Time Lords, but which Time Lord? Yeah. How does um, Ashildir, or Shildir, how you'll pronounce the name, Ashildir, uh, yeah. um, fit into this? Who hired her? There's still questions to be answered here. Um, but basically, or, or was she even hired? Well, that's or, it. Or, is, or was that all just a... Was it just her? Blood? Yeah. 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 Um, because you've that, got the last lines, haven't you? Which is the, the rather, which you sort of think, oh, so that's why Stephen Moffat's called uh, me. Yes, because he said the so hy- you, the hybrid is me. Yeah, so you've now got this sort of: is he talking about himself? Is he talking about a shielder? Is it? You yeah. Know? Well, I, I've I've got another theory about that as well, but about the, the but anyway about the hybrid. But anyway, um, yeah, basically, because it's a it's, the whole thing is a puzzle. I think I think that's the thing that people have got. Uh, either a problem with or or didn't quite understand because it, it goes through like it has been there for two billion years and they seem to think it's some sort of time it's nothing to do with time this no. isn't this isn't time travel this is just it's not even sort of like the reset button being being pressed each time it's nothing to do with that the puzzle will always reset itself that's what the puzzle does but yeah. i think the final room was never meant to reset because i think whoever set this trap Thought well, the doctor's reached that point where he's he's facing this absantium, which is four hundred times tougher than diamond. I think he was expected to give up at that point. He'd been put through yeah. so much. Oh, that is where he's expected to die. Just, to die? Well, or just basically not expect to die, but to give up all his secrets. Yeah. Into these, this you find out then he's actually within his confession doll. How this fits in, I'd like to know as well. Yeah. Because the, you know, it, it all goes into his confession doll when he's on Gallifrey at the end. Um, but I think that was never meant to reset. And I think that yeah. was the flaw in the trap. Mm. So that's how I've s- f- seen, me, uh, seen a way around it. 
The other so, thing that, that that gets me is the fact that unless I'm, you know, it sort of seems to me that he works out what is going on. Yeah. When he sees the stars of are uh, wrong. Yeah. That he must have been there for seven thousand years, or that stars are seven thousand years out to where yeah. they should have been. Yeah. If he hasn't time travelled and whatever. Yeah. So, and we're watching it from the first point of that 7,000. You think to yourself, and this is how he starts to piece it together, i.e. the picture of Clara's very old. Yeah. Stars are wrong. Um, get there was something else now that was... Well, there's all the, the 7,000 There's all the skulls. skulls. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When he works out the fact that, no, this isn't, there isn't, there hasn't been anybody else here. This is my trap. So they must be my skulls. And you mm. sort of see it all go through, the skull dropping into the water and all that. Mm. So he work, So I can understand how he works it out on this one. But how did he work it out the second or third time he was there, when you were only talking about days or whatever? Hmm. I said, yeah. I the said, stars wouldn't have been moved. There wouldn't have been all the skulls. No. And the picture wouldn't have been old. No. No, I, I can. Yeah, there is a. Maybe someone's got an explanation for that, but I, yeah, that is. A... I'd like to hear it actually, because oh, I'd like I'd like it to be able to be explained and everything to to I, work out. Because... I think this is one of those stories we just want to be perfect. Yes, and I thought it was, and then suddenly that started nagging away at me today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also, of course, the other thing, which is the problem of of knowing you're going to be talking about something. Yeah. Because you're starting to think about it more than you probably need to, and also and when you start doing that, you start to. You really start to look for stuff that doesn't quite I know. Work. There, there is the other thing, of, of course, that why isn't there, there also 7,000 chairs underneath the water as well? Yeah, that's a good point. So, <laughs> but that's a, a minor detail. I'm not going to let that ruin it for me. Crikey. But, um, no, actually, talking about the, um, the, the end as well, when it keeps recapping and going over and over the same thing again, um, I just thought that was so superbly put together. The way it was edited yeah. was was and the music as well. Um, again, everything just seemed to gel for me in this particular story. At just yeah, at just the right speed. Yeah, to be to, to so you could actually follow it, but yeah. not that it became boringly repetitive. No, no. I mean, I think people have sort of like compared this to uh, sort of Christopher Nolan films. I think things like Inception. And things like that, um, and also the Prestige was another one. Have you ever seen the Prestige? Have you seen that? No, no, we've been through this. How many times do we go through this? Have I seen? Films? Have you seen films? Well, no, you've surprised me recently, Paul. And you know, I have to ask the question <laughs> now. Um, now, now, basically, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for you in case you do watch it, but it's it's a similar sort of self-repeating cycle, right? Right. So, um, for one particular character. So you've got all these different new copies. I think that's another thing that people have now got a problem with because this this isn't now, as far as they're concerned, is the original Doctor. It's now two billion co- the two billionth copy of the Doctor or whatever. Um, well, no, well, no, it's still I mean, the same if you, person. If you want to take that, then anybody who goes in a teleport is never is never the original person again. Yeah, and the Doctor's teleported before. Exactly. Yeah, it's just the fact because this this is a, a a copy like held in a. It's almost like the. I mean, if you want to take that, then then the fourth Doctor was never the original fourth Doctor. Once we got past, did did um, well, I'm gonna all I'm gonna say the Daleks and the well, Ark in space. Well, no, all I'm gonna say is did Star Trek fans whine 
when Scotty was brought back from a transporter buffer. Yeah. That's how he survived. So he was he, he was held. So it's the same sort of thing. So no, they thought it was a marvelous piece of writing. Not Doctor Who fans. They think. I think on the whole, people have enjoyed this. Um, yeah. I think there's been a lot. Yeah, of... No, that, that was not something that I found to be a problem. No, me neither. Me neither. Um, I, I don't. And, care... and of course, you'd have been absolutely delighted because he never got his guitar out at all. No. <laughs> Although it does appear he's got it back next week, but we'll see. Um, and yeah, so... and the fact that uh, you didn't really. And it's the fact that actually, yeah, you didn't have any. He had the. I mean, the sonic glasses were on for a second, weren't they? Almost and they useless. Didn't really tell tell him anything other than what the composition of the wall was. No, exactly. And that was it. That was it. Yeah, which is what you want it to do. Yeah. You know, not get you out of jail free all the time. Yeah. Um, what well, I did find interesting though, when, when he did find that, when he did find that Absantium wall, and he saw the word home written on it, he thought of the TARDIS. Yeah. He said, oh, that's the way back to the... T-. He didn't once think Gallifrey, which I thought was interesting. Well, having said that, though, if you've got a crystalline wall, would not Sonic something Sonic work? Um, yes. <laughs> it's the one thing... Is this the one thing that the Sonic... You could legitimately use a Sonic device at? Paul, don't spoil it. <laughs> 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 Sorry, it's just as we were talking then. That's no, that that is a valid that is a valid point. That is a valid point. Yes. Oh dear. Oh dear. Um, now, obviously, the bits where the Doctor is in peril, we go into his sort of like his mind palace, don't we? Yes. Which is the TARDIS, which I loved. Yeah. I loved that. I really did enjoy that. And also, Clara's back as well. Well, literally, we saw Clara's back. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and what... did you think it was actually going to be her? <clears throat> did you actually think we was actually ever going to actually see her? Well, I I didn't turn around. Or, no, I or didn't. I didn't appear, or it was just going to be. We were just going to have the that I, back view. No, I just thought. I just thought it was going to be that back view. Um yeah. And and it was her as well. It wasn't a, a, a body double. It was her standing there, and uh, which you could just tell by the way she stands. Really. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I was sort of... I didn't mind the way that she was brought back so quickly, to be honest. No. It was, no, it, because, and it was yeah. the Doctor's way of dealing with um, the grief. Yeah. As well, he wanted someone to talk to, and the person he wanted to talk to was Clara. So in his mind, she was still there. But it, it, in, it, it was like that dream thing where... Have you ever had dreams where someone's there, but you can't quite see who they... You know who they are, but you can't quite see them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it, yeah. it was that sort of that sort of thing was going on, and I just loved the way it was done. And she never spoke to him at all, really, until right at the very end. And he didn't actually think she was going to. No, he thought that was going to be. With, it. With, so with... that actually then made a a joint a joint to your system on that as well. Joint. Yeah. Yeah. So no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I just loved the way it was done. I loved yeah. it, and I loved the way that the the TARDIS would power up. As well, yeah, when as, as he as he started to come round again from being yeah. unconscious or whatever, I thought it was so 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 well done. I really do think this is. And I, the thing is, though, the direction was. Mark, I mean, Rachel Talalay. I mean, she was one of the better things out of last year's finale. It was it yeah. was well directed. Um, she really brought her A game to this story, and I'm looking forward to see what she does next week as well. Um, but it was nothing. Um, it was nothing showy. 
it was no. just, it was just good solid direction. I thought. Do you, yeah. Did you see what I mean? There, there, it was just so well done and so well put together. And yeah, there was, there was, so there was nothing showy about it. It, it it was just it just worked. Everything she did just worked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I say, you ne- you never felt there was always you was always watching the screen. If something that wasn't uh, action paced or whatever, it was a case that I'm not. I can't really get away from this. No, no. It, it oh dear. It was just brilliant. It was just absolutely brilliant. Um, I love the whole castle the way she used the castle as well. Um, and especially the the bit where it's sort of the puzzle would change itself around. You sort of like like con, uh, concentric rings, wasn't it? Yeah, moving around. And the doctor so, works out. Obviously, when the doctor works out that this is how he gets to, he has to give a confession to get it to change. So yeah. when he comes up against the brick wall, literally, he has to. Well, do you know what? There, there was one bit I watched on the first viewing, and there was that bit was that tile missing yeah. with all the arrows pointing to it, and I, I didn't tweak for me until I watched it the second time that missing toll is what was in the grave yeah because you don't really know that until you see you have a quick glimpse of what he'd written down in his notebook and it was that hexagonal tile pattern with with those words written in in the middle of it I'm in 12 yeah so yeah it was um yeah so again it, there was so many little th- little clues and everything and it all just sort of Sort of came together. You had to certain things you had to pay attention to, and that was one of them. I didn't spot yeah. that until the second viewing, but because because what I wasn't quite sure, what I'm one hundred percent sure is, did he? Are we? Is there? Is is? Does a previous version of him paint the picture, bury the tile, or what? Or is um, this just stuff that's happened? I think it's just stuff that's there. It's it's stuff to lead in because obviously. The yeah, one, I didn't one... know whether it was, you know, in some parts that he was... No, I don't think he he did that. That was all part of... Or it of... just literally always was that that followed that route. I think it was always that, because that was part of the track. Because obviously whilst he was he dug it, he dug the grave up, found that, and then the veil burst out yeah. towards it. So I think it was always meant to be a, a, a trap as such. Um, what do you think of the veil? I thought it was a, a very effective... Bogeyman, really. Well, that's all it was, really. Uh, just oh, the and the idea of using the flies as the oh, that was brilliant. So you know, suddenly, like obviously, you you got it with the doctor. Suddenly, either there was a fly, or you heard the fly sound. Yeah, and you knew that it was it was there. Yeah, I I love that that foreshadowing. That it was just round the corner. I, I thought yeah. it was brilliant. I really did love that. Rather than it always, which then made it when it jumped out of the grave. That was the only time where it actually. You actually got that, wasn't it? And the only time you needed to do it was that once. Yeah, because you didn't need it to be jumping out all the time. All the time, because, no. Because the you had the flies first. Yeah. Well, ah, oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, now, before I was going we... to oh, say sorry. something though about, but you presume if that was the the doctor's wet clothes drying, mm. is there was there a previous version of him that? That early on, that just decided to run around naked and <laughs> there for the next one coming along. <laughs> Do you know what? You could be right there. He just sort of ran... <laughs> there's no one here. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do I care? I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a truth it won't like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Now. The one thing before we get onto the whole hybrid thing, um, there was 
seems to be one thing that people have a lot of seems to take issue with is when Clara finally appeared in this and spoke to the doctor and she told him to get up off his ass. Mm. Um, now people are saying they've got a, a big problem with using the word ass in Doctor Who. Do you have a problem with it? No, I didn't particularly. No. I mean, to be honest, I wasn't actually, I don't think it even registered with me. Well, it, it did until... for me. I thought, wow, they said arse in Doctor Who. But then again, kids are using it all the time, really. They, they'll say, oh, you can't say that. It's, it's a family show. But ooh, I, I, I don't know. I think kids know a lot more bloody swear words than I ever will. I never learned, to be honest. I don't think yeah. swearing is such a problem these days. And you've got the question. But, of okay, the I, that... I, I'm, here's me saying that when I've got to watch me P's and Q's in front of my two kids now because they're copying what you say. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know whether. I, I, I personally don't find it a problem. No. I mean, I, I suppose the only thing you can say is was it really necessary? And the answer is probably no. No. She could have said get off your backside. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that you could have substituted it with with another another slang word, yes. really, couldn't you? Yeah, you know, it probably yeah, it probably didn't need need to be there, and I and I can I can understand people saying that. Yeah, it didn't need to be there, but it's there. I don't have a problem with it, really. That's it. I don't have a problem with it being there. Yeah, I mean, it, there is just a question. Of, we we've been saying this for a while though. Is is who are these? Episodes now being aimed at. Well, Stephen Moffat always I mean, said you have got quite a. I mean, you have got basically a half-burnt man crawling around. Well, yeah, I mean, and well. there's also I mean, Moff- how how much how young are children do you want to be watching that? Well, there's also the thing that Moffat and, and Gates have said that it's, this has gone this series has gone at the wrong time. It should be on earlier. Uh, yeah. I would argue really that you can't really put something like that on earlier. And I know people have been saying. You know, kids aren't going to stand understand a, a story like this. Well, I'm sorry, I don't agree with that. Give kids a bit more credit. Yeah. To be honest, give kids a bit more credit than, than that. That's that's pretty disingenuous, I think. To be honest. Um, well, I mean, there was the famous quote on it about Doctor Who saying it had to be complicated enough to interest the kids and simple enough to interest the adults. <laughs> yes, that was Peter Davison, I think, who said yeah. that, wasn't it? So yeah, that, that yeah, you can leave that there, really, can't you? Yeah, that, that particular thing. Um, now the hybrid. Now we sort of said the hybrid is me. Does he mean himself or does he mean a shielder? Stroke. Yeah, me. And and now now you're thinking, and that is the only reason a shielder is now calling herself me. Yeah, is because Stephen Moffat had written that for the final line of this episode. Yes, could be. Now. There's also the thing that Davros said about the legend about the the Dalek, half Dalek, half Time Lord hybrid, which the Doctor himself, because he says all the way through this, he says he knows what it is and it can bring peace or destruction and he's afraid. I still think he's referring to himself. And, And the reason I say that, because all the way through since 2005, sporadically we've had Daleks saying to the Doctor, you would make a good Dalek. And I think that's all this is. I think that all these little were little sort of like the the direct sort of taunting the doctor has led to this point. That's my that's my own theory on this. You you don't you don't think Moffat's going to revive the eighth Doctor's half human? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I, I think that's quietly, hopefully, quietly forgotten. But I, I, it wouldn't surprise me though if Moffat just decides, yeah, go on then. 
Do you know what if he does? This would annoy everyone. Well, I think now because another thing that has I think annoyed the the hardcore fans out there. You know, you've, we've now found out that the doctor didn't leave Gallifrey because he was bored. He he left because he was scared. He was afraid. And do you know what? I don't have a problem with this because you don't really know why the doctor left. Yeah. Um. And I don't want everything given away. I still like the mystery surrounding the Doctor. I don't want it all explained to us. And I hope it's not all explained. I don't think he will, because he's done this to us before. He says, you will find out the Doctor's name. Yeah. We didn't. Moffat lies. We all know Moffat yeah. lies, you know. Um, and what he does, he does like to bait the fans. He, he does it to get, you know, the hardcore fans all discussing it and saying he's ruined the show for me. And then he does the complete... Role reversal, doesn't he? He doesn't yeah. do anything of the sort. Um, I'll have to get him in front of his own veil where he has to yes. only, can only confess the truth to stop it. <laughs> That's a damn good idea, actually. Don't don't give them ideas, Paul. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, there's still a lot of questions to be answered. Um, I'd like to know how the whole confession dial fits into this now because he gave it to a, to a shield there at the end of Face the Raven, but then... That's what he was trapped in. Yeah. So maybe that's all he was teleported into. Yeah. Was was his confession doll. But where does that place the magician's apprentice and the wishes familiar? Because you already had that. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. Well, where where hmm. where has that come from? Has that come from him? Well, I mean, we are sort of going full circle because from what we've seen of the trailer for next week and who's in the trailer for next week. Yeah. Anyway, aren't we? Yes. Because that's where the confession dial starts off, isn't it? I'm assuming so, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it it is interesting. When, uh, I mean, I'm now actually, yeah, because now I quite like Face the Raven and this has just been brilliantly setting up. You're just, I'm now actually half thinking to myself, oh, don't blow it the last part. Yeah, that sorts the back of my mind now as well. Don't don't blow it, Moffat. You've, you've had a fantastic setup with this episode don't ruin it <laughs> and and the temptation for it to become overblown is is there isn't yeah because it's 65 minutes long next week as well and you've got everything there you can play yeah. with. obviously the budget's all been saved up for this particular episode uh yeah don't blow it really yeah. don't blow it i'm slightly worried now <laughs> i know that, that's 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 the other nagging doubt that's now going through my head is like Oh, if this is if Hellbent is really awful, is it going to now colour my that I'll never be able to watch this episode again? Because I'll be thinking, oh, no. yeah, this this is setting up <laughs> this. Yes, yeah. indeed, indeed. So, oh dear, oh dear. So, are we are we done really on, on, on so. our opinion? On our opinion, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, obviously, um, as usual, or say as usual for the, for this series, we have um, listener feedback as well. Um, now, let's start off with feedback from our uh, Twitter feed. First off, we got um, feedback from uh, a good friend to the show, Ben Reed. Um, he writes, uh, quick feedback for heaven sent. Uh, I won't say that it wowed me, but I enjoyed it. I was not, however, thrilled with the Doctor's revelation that he's the hybrid. I'm hoping they don't bring up that half-human garbage, as we just alluded to. Um, I've never been a fan of that theory. I'm anxious to watch next week's finale, though. So this week's episode did its job nicely. Take care, guys. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ben. Uh, next bit of feedback is from Ian Martin. He goes, Heaven sent. 
Liked it a lot. I think everything hinges on the meaning of the Doctor's final line of dialogue. Well, yes, it does, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Also, constant. And- yeah, sorry, go on, Paul, yeah. No, no, I was going to say, and as we've said, we, it was obviously written, and then everything to do with a shield was written backwards from there, I think. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, so, yeah, um, Ian continues. He said, also, continuity-wise, we have an interesting question. The Doctor has now created his confession dial, which means Magician, Magician's Apprentice, stroke which is familiar, happens after this story. Good news for Clara. Mm, which is what we just sort of mm. discussing you're not entirely sure where this all sort of fits in now but it's got to be pretty circular now hasn't it really it's got to come back well, to I the mean, beginning again to be honest though we know he had the dial but do we know it was actually actually had anything in it yeah does, i mean does a time lord just just create his confession dial as he goes through life he could have done yeah it? so it's it's there but it's never fully finished until he dies yeah could be Oh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Now, on to our uh, Facebook feedback. Uh, Jeff Waddle writes, without doubt, the best Doctor Who episode I've ever seen. And I know he's not being sarcastic there because he's been, just been writing other things on, on Facebook and he, he can't praise this highly enough. So, um, Martin from the Bad Wolf podcast is awful. Enough said. Hmm. I don't agree with that, Martin. I really don't. Um, Ian Thomas McLean writes, um, not review, just a moan. I feel like Moffat hammered a nail in my skull. I'm kind of sick of him. He's literally giving me a headache. Again, I can't agree with that, Ian. I, I, I've got a completely polar opposite view to, to, to yourself and Martin there. Really have. Um, Suki Kark writes, um, After finishing uh, Night Shift, I sat down at four in the morning to watch episode 11, but I kept nodding off and having to rewind when I woke up. It didn't keep my attention until the last few minutes when everything clicked into place and I realised what was happening. A couple of niggles. Arse. Why? And if everything is reset, why doesn't the room with the Absantum crystal wall thingy reset itself? Other than falling asleep, I really enjoyed it. Kieran Hyman writes, if I'd have known that Doctor Who could be this good, I'd have complained more when it wasn't. That's quite a, a, a fair assumption, really. Um, John Michael Lindsay writes, uh, this was an absolute masterpiece. It takes a great actor to keep you watching when he's saying nothing, and Capaldi is that in spades. The soundtrack this episode two was wonderfully arranged, moments of pure symphony, except for random sections of accordion. Uh, the story has a beautiful subtext of the grieving process, the, the constant seeking for reassurance from that person that's left us, talking to them as if they're still there, the frustration about life being unfair and almost giving up hope, yet from somewhere finding the need to go on. This story also brings about an excellent way of returning to Gallifrey, but I'm rather glad the myth of the Dalek-Time-Lord hybrid was just that, as it would just be too tiresome. Bring on the finale. This has been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, that, that was one actually one of the good li- great lines in this, was the fact that the, about the, the day somebody dies isn't the hardest, because you've got something to do. Yes, yeah, that was... That it's, the, was a, it's the days that follow, and they're yeah. still not there. Yes, that was a good line. That was a good line, yes. Um, now, the final two pieces of feedback come from our Facebook page. Uh, ben Rush writes, Wow, still bouncing off the ceiling, a best story in a long time, and the ending jaw-dropping. Laura M. Greenfield writes, What a terrific piece of television. I'm going to watch this a few more times, possibly right this minute. 
It's just finished here in the US. I guess the hybrid might be what it ended up being, but it was still, for a lack of a better word, compelling. So there we go. Thank you very much, everybody, for your feedback. Yes, thank we, you. Yes, we really do. So we really do enjoy um, reading out and listening to it and, and whatever. So that's it. We've got one more episode to go. I know. Can't believe it. It's gone very, very, as you said last week, it's gone so quickly. But um, what a setup for a finale, though. Yes. What a setup. What a setup. So obviously, we would love to have your feedback for next week's episode, Hellbent. So please um, write to us at our email address, which is whosepodcast at yahoo.co.uk. Um, you can also send us uh, feedback, send us a direct message on Twitter. You can find us at who's underscore he underscore podcast. Or if you're a member of our, of our Facebook group, you can leave your feedback there. Or if you can find our Facebook page, you can leave us feedback on that as well. Or if you would like to send us some audio feedback, again, please just email that to us. So there you go. Plenty of ways to, to communicate with us. Plenty of ways. So that's it, Paul, isn't it? That is. Yeah. That is it. That is it. So um so we'll be back next week with um Hellbent. And um I think also next week we're gonna have a little announcement about our sort of schedule going forward. Yes. Aren't we? So we're sort of, we've had a bit of a reached a decision on how we're gonna sort of put in episodes out after this series is finished. So we'll we'll uh well we'll discuss that next week. We'll announce yes. that on next week's episode. So Okay then. So until Next week, we're reviewing Hellbent, the 12th and final episode of Series on a Doctor Who. It is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. Listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Mm-hmm.